I'm Ali Wine, a senior analyst for Global Macro at Eurasia Group. And I'm Corey Shockey from the American Enterprise Institute. So Corey, Americans go to the polls in less than a week. And on the cusp of this momentous election, really, uh, there are a number of observers, both inside the United States and outside the United States, who express growing concerns over both America's domestic confidence and its external reliability. But you wrote a piece recently for the AEI uh, website, which uh, deservedly got a lot of attention and I certainly found encouraging. And you conclude that Washington, quote, is only a few good choices from dramatically strengthening itself both domestically and internationally, end quote. Um, what are some of those good choices that it needs to make? So I think there are five key challenges. Pandemic recovery, debt planning, rebalancing our over-militarized approach to foreign policy, handling China, and harnessing allies. And let me maybe speak to the first couple of them. I, I don't think Americans are going to have patience or interest in anything about the world until we have a government paying careful attention to managing the pandemic and strengthening our, our safety and our economy coming out of it. I think that's a precursor to everything else. But fortunately, mm -hmm. handling that competently will actually also strengthen the foundations of American power internationally. Second big issue, debt planning. You know, um, the trillions of dollars of pandemic stimulus to cushion the effects of shutdowns were necessary. And so will be continuing jolts of spending to defibrillate the economy. But at some point, we have to acknowledge the long-term consequences of an mm. unsustainable debt-to-GDP ratio. And doing, we don't need to solve the problem now. We need to put ourselves on a path to solution. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, there will be greater volatility in our economy. And um, debt service is going to crowd out all other discretionary spending, including defense. By 2024, at current projections, interest payments will surpass defense. No and, kidding. Yeah. Wow. Um, so those would be the two I'd start with, my friend. Yeah. Well, I, there's something there's something really powerful in in what you just said, and it should be a self-evident proposition. But I I find that I think the too often in in the context of discussing great power competition or strategic rivalry with China, I, I think that there's a tendency to not only to neglect uh, the, the domestic foundations of US power, but to recognize that domestic competence, uh, domestic competitiveness and domestic restoration, they're not adjuncts to external competitiveness. They're not tangential, they are preconditions. And I, I think that there are a number of external observers who, and not just competitors, I think that there are a number of allies and partners and well-wishers of the United States who are saying to themselves, if the United States is unable to take care of the health of its own citizens, how can it be entrusted to undergird a global order? How can it be entrusted to mobilize collective action? And so what I take from your first point is that beyond being an economic and moral imperative unto itself, getting COVID-19 under control putting our economy back on a stable footing, I mean, those are essential to repositioning ourselves to be competitive externally over the long haul. Oh, I think you are exactly right. 
you know, um, remember in the early years of the Iraq war where people kept saying, how could you put a man on the moon and fail to prepare properly for the Iraq war? And and the COVID-19 pandemic response, I think, is an even greater challenge um, in that regard. And so showing that we're a a competent, technologically and scientifically proficient, capable of handling hard problems with success, the admiration that other countries have for the United States and our way of life Mm -hmm. is an enormous source of international power. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, and, and what you just said, it goes to this often invoked distinction between the, the example of our power, which is important, but perhaps more importantly, the power of our example. And the two reinforce one another, of course. But, you know, the power of our example, I think that one of the enduring advantages, and you mentioned China, one of the, I think, enduring advantages that we have over China, it's not only that we have a concept of, po- a concept of order that we have established and and uh, sustained over the better part of three quarters of a century but it's it's a conception that's anchored in norms that have widespread appeal and while china increasingly criticizes that system it doesn't yet have a viable alternative of its own to offer and it hasn't yet assembled a coalition of countries that would challenge that system and so having that institutional architecture buttressed by values that have widespread appeal gives the United States an enduring competitive advantage and hopefully we don't squander it. Oh, I think you're exactly right. My guess is that the Chinese government believes they have an attractive model, but look who it's attracting, other repressive authoritarian governments. And that's why the so many of the choices of the Trump administration have been damaging